All right. Well, hey, Mike, it's been a while since we've been together, but I've, I've been missing you, actually. Welcome back to the studio. Well, thank you. You know, I'm not sure why you've been missing me because you see me all the time. But I don't see you in this context. I see you with, you know, returning my gardening tools. I see I see you at the outdoor socially distance, you know, family gatherings. Yes. But this feels like, you know... We're back. We're back. We're, we're, get, we're, we're getting back. into it. We're back in that fun place. Right. It's good to be here, but we're not alone. No. We have a friend with us. Introduce us. Ah, fantastic. Well, one of our good friends, Aaron Gruen, is here. He is an advisor with Ronald Blue Trust, and their their mission really is to give people wise counsel on what they can do with their money to uh, kind of bless and reinforce the kingdom of God. That's how I understand the mission of, of the Ronald Blue Trust. How about you tell us and clarify for us? Yeah, so first of all, thanks for letting me join you guys today. I think this is going to be a lot of fun. And... I've never done this before, but I do miss you guys. So. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Ronald Blue Trust, you know, I think you did a good job, Mike. So we're we're trying to provide wise and biblically based counsel about money. And one of the one of the outcomes that we look for with our clients is what's your peace of mind like? What's your peace of mind like before you start working with us? And what's it like? after you've begun that relationship with us because ultimately we want to be able to provide biblical wisdom for your financial life which will lead if applied to your life it will lead to greater peace of mind so that's one of one of the outcomes we're looking at is how can we be biblically wise with our money and you as a client should therefore experience greater peace of mind as a result of applying that wisdom to your life so you worked with a lot of different kinds of clients, right? Anybody who wants help with their money, but you also, I know, specialize with more like business owners, business leaders. Can you say more about those particular people and, and how they experience the peace of mind and what, what, what are, what's unique to that audience? Well, you know what's unique to that audience is if you're a business owner, there's a really good chance, unless you're an accidental business owner, which there are plenty of those out there, but if you're an intentional business owner, someone who said, I want to create this enterprise, to do this thing, there's a really good chance that you have a pretty high risk tolerance. In fact, you could be described as a risk taker. But as a business owner, you shoulder a lot of risk and a lot of responsibility. And one of the ways that we can help business owners um, have greater peace of mind is helping take off some of the financial burdens and some of the financial risk and responsibility and come up with a wise financial plan for their business. So that's one of the things we do with people. And and we have Aaron here today because uh, it, it used to be that Ken and I were kind of a duo, despite us being in different companies, working on a lot of the same things. But over the last couple of years, we have found ourselves as a little bit of a trio working on uh, the Business on Purpose conference that has been sponsored by the Ronald Blue Trust for a few years. And we've been kind of the, the triple threat uh, working on that together. And so Aaron has been our partner in talking to uh, business owners and, and, and Christians about the purpose of our businesses uh, and looking at them and, and, and talking to Christian business owners and, and, and really asking them tough questions and that they need to think about, about what is the purpose and direction of their business as ambassadors of Christ and as business leaders in the community? What is their business for? And one of the 
issues that comes up over and over again with these business owners and leaders is um, not so much how do I offer value, but how do I market the value that we offer, right? How do we transfer our, our confidence and our ability to solve people's problems to a business that's thriving because people know us, they're aware of us, they understand our brand, they're referring us to the right people at the right time for the right reasons. And that's a completely different skill, right, from the core of your business. Unless you're a marketing company, marketing isn't necessarily your core skill. So one of the, one of the uh, topics that's hot for a lot of these companies is how do I grow my business, specifically in the, in the realm of marketing, right? Yeah, and I, I think there's a great tie-in to what uh, Ronald Blue Trust does. He talked about having financial peace of mind. And I think one of the things that a lot of business owners, and especially Christian business owners have, is they don't have peace of mind about marketing, right? Uh, they enter their businesses thinking, I have a great product or a great service to offer, and I'm going to be fantastic at this. And then they're hit with this idea, I've got to put myself out there. I've got to tell people how wonderful I am and my services are. And they hit some snags with that, I think. <laughs> right. Well, right there you see a snag, right? <laughs> I have to convince people how wonderful I am. Um, I'm wondering what verse in the Bible lines up with that perspective. <laughs> right. When you, when you think about what a lot of people might be thinking is, doesn't Philippians 2 say to consider everyone basically better than yourself? So I'm going to go out there and tell everyone that I'm better than everybody and you should buy my thing or, my, or pay me to do this service. Yeah. So there's a trap right there, right? That, that marketing is about telling people how much better you are than other people. And that goes against some of your, your values. What other traps? Maybe we can just list a few other traps. Like what are, what are the other Christian traps or problems that a business owner would get into on this topic of, of marketing? Well, I think we, that one might fall under kind of a myth of marketing. Um, but a, maybe a, a, one's tough to fight. But I think that the very models of marketing we have appeal to our vices. They appeal to our lusts and the greed and the idea that if I have this, I'll be better. And they appeal to, they try to make us discontent with what we have so that we will buy more sure. and not spend our money wisely. Well, well, the cultural assumption there is if your business isn't doing better, growing, dominating, oh, that's a real shame. Mm -hmm. You know, it must not be living up to its real potential, its real purpose. You must be disappointed that right. you're not doing as well as someone else is doing in the marketplace. Right. That just kind of feeds into that comparison. And I must be the greatest. I must be the best. It must be on top. Jack Welsh, mm -hmm. when he was in GE, their business model was, if we can't be one or two in the marketplace in this, we're not going to be in it. It's not, it's not worth it. And that might be a fine business model if you're GE, but is that a business model that everyone should emulate? Well, if that were for everyone, there'd only be one or two <laughs> in the market, right? I mean, There's right, a simple answer right. to that. <laughs> well, I think part of part, one of the other, I don't know, myths or traps that we get into is that it's really hard to market well without bearing false witness, mm. which we don't want to do as Christ followers. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people say, I'm going to let the perfect be the enemy of the good. And because I see a lot of people marketing in a way that's not fully honest or maybe doesn't share the facts in the most appropriate way, I don't really feel comfortable marketing because there's so much bad stuff going out there in terms of bearing false witness, not telling the truth in marketing. Yeah. And so we say, well, I can't do that then. Yeah, the assumption there is that good marketing has to be morally bad, right? right. <laughs> if, it's, if you're not lying, you're not doing it well. 
which is a, which is, you know, no one says it that way, but that's kind of what people kind of feel. They even call people that help you with their marketing a liar for hire. I've heard that phrase. Oh, wow. Right? I've which never is, heard that one you've before. never heard that? No, yeah. I didn't. Yeah, well. It, I, I can describe you in new ways now. Yeah, I, I'll give that one to you for free. <laughs> Um, but, but, but that's the idea that the reason yeah. it's, it's a joke and because, because it kind of resonates, people say, you know, just make me look good. I mean, that they come to us at Accent Interactive and say, you know, uh, just make me look good. Like the, this, this, this is everything from Photoshop out my wrinkles and make me look younger when we're doing photos to, uh, in our written descriptions, you know, only promote the positive. And if it's positive, you, you need to sell it as just the greatest, yeah. right? Use superlatives to, to sort of over oversell it, over describe it. And it also comes in when when you get into sales. Yeah. Because the assumption in sales is you, you know, you want to put your your best foot forward. You want to only promote the thing that's gonna really convince people that this is the greatest. But I don't know. It, and we have these, and we had sure these very really powerful stereotypes that stick in our minds about the sleazy salesperson. Or the used car salesman, right? Who's sure. trying to get one over on you. Uh, and or the sleazy financial advisor. Let's be perfectly honest. Oh, yeah. Mm. Right? Yeah. How many people have said, yeah, I, got, I knew this terrible financial advisor and all he wanted to do was sell me life insurance, even right. though I already had it or didn't need it. Right. Yeah. He's and selling me something I don't need. Yeah. To benefit right. him, to not benefit to benefit him. you. He's going to get a sweet commission if he sells you this whole life policy. Right. Yeah. Only, they're only out there for their self-interest, right? Yeah. And they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna do anything they can to separate me from my money, and they don't care about how it benefits me. And so, and those are when, when people have a stereotype in their minds about something, it's very hard to dislodge that. And so, as Christians, we are taught to be humble, right? We, we, you know, Paul tells us not to, to to judge ourselves more highly than we ought to. We're, we're taught to be humble and put other people before us. You know, our Savior is a humble Savior, and we're taught to be honest and separate ourselves from the world. And so if we have this negative stereotype, our natural reaction is going to be to move away from that. I don't want to be that. And that just, that just reinforces anybody's ideas, not just Christians. So um, marketing is sounding pretty bad now in this conversation. Like, uh, isn't it horrible? Like, who would ever want to market anything? One, one response, I guess, could be just to not market at all. I mean, you could take the stance that, look, I'm a Christian, so I don't... I don't market. And a lot of small businesses don't. Yeah. They so, don't have any marketing. So plan. what do you think about that possible solution? I mean... It, I think it, it boils down to what do you think about your business? Um, this is where I think the idea, the biblical idea of stewardship comes into play and can be a really helpful concept for business owners when they think about marketing. Because the question is, who owns the business? Are you the owner or the steward of the business? And... If you believe that you're the steward of the business, you need to take good care of this thing. You don't just need to say, I have a good product and we're going to be awesome. You need to say, if I have a great product or if I deliver services in a fantastic way that solve people's problems, I need to make sure people know about that because I need to be a good steward of this yeah. entity that God's entrusted me with. And it's really a malpractice not to let people know about the solution. I, I was thinking of someone who spends eight hours a day doing something and you have a, a piece of software that can do it in two hours and offer benefits that they didn't have. And it's gonna cost you something, but it's gonna save you way more than it costs you. So it kind of, if you're willing to entertain it, if you're like open to new ideas, if you're willing to change and adapt, you'd kind of look at that and go, well, that's kind of a no-brainer. It's going to help my bottom line. It's going to help your bottom line. 
if you were my friend and you didn't tell me about that, I'd be pretty upset. Like, why aren't you, why aren't you telling me that I'm doing it wrong? Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 that's absolutely right. And, and when you think about it, it's, it's, it's so much more serious than that. I mean, not to be too serious, but if, if someone hires you to run their business, you have an obligation to run it well. Right. And so if God has entrusted you with the skills and the relational and the financial capital to have an enterprise, shouldn't you do your very best to make sure that that enterprise is growing and flourishing and marketing is a tool to do that? Yeah. Aaron, do you think that that is the perspective that business owners have, Christian business owners have, is that I've been given this business and I'm a steward of something that God has given me. Do you think that's common? Well, I don't know if you guys remember about eight years ago, President Barack Obama uh, referenced business owners in general, and he, he made a statement where he said, you didn't build that. And there was a lot of blowback. Some of it, it's reasonable to say that if you're a business owner, you probably did build that. But there was also an underlying idea that that President Obama was referencing. Now, I don't want to be political here, but the idea was that your business didn't just like come out of nowhere. Right. You needed something other than yourself for that thing to flourish. And I think a lot of Christian business owners kind of might have showed their cards at that time when they said, no, no, this is my baby. I did build this. This is all me. Instead of maybe taking a step back and saying, well, I might disagree with the president's sentiment here that I did work hard and there, this is the fruit of my labor. Ultimately, I have to realize that this is something that God entrusted me with. And as Job said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. And right. if, if we don't see our business as being primarily from God's hand, I think we're setting ourselves up to approach it in the wrong way. Yeah. Well, I, I have a business, so I've actually had the opportunity to try on those perspectives. And so I could speak from personal experience about what that feels like. When I have the perspective of, I built this, um, I have two problems with that. One is, if the business is going really, really well, then I'm kind of tempted to, to arrogance and pride and like, hey, I'm really something, you know? Uh, difficult to square that with this idea that I shouldn't be thinking more highly than I ought and I should be looking to the needs of others. But on the other hand, if the business starts to go poorly, I start to look at myself and say, well, wait a minute, this is a reflection of me. I'm not really as great as I thought. And it can be really demoralizing. I start to get depressed. I'm anxious. I'm very self-focused. All of a sudden that detracts from my ability to perform well in my business. So mm -hmm. either extreme has right. got me right. really wrapped up into knots, whereas this idea of stewardship doesn't quite have that same pressured feel to me, if, if that's the way to say it. Yeah, if you think about it, if we can honestly say what, like the psalmist said, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, meaning everything that's in it, including our business. If we can honestly say that, it's very freeing. Mm -hmm. It also allows us to unshackle ourselves from the identity trap that you're referencing that's common to almost every business owner. The trap being that my self-worth gets very tied up into the success or failure of the business that I started, which our worth isn't directly tied to our business or how successful right. it is. That's not right. true. Right. And I think, I think um, you know, it, it also, 
speaks to the idea that um, you know, if, if we look at our businesses as God's gift, something we're stewarding, this thing has value to the, the world I've created, and um, you are steward in it, and, but you know, you're partnering with me. You get to join my work, right? Uh, and, and so we get to join together in, in partnership, and it's a privilege to be doing God's work. And the reality is, is that all, you know, all work that we do is there to glorify God. When God created this world, he had this beautiful earth he created and everything in it, and he said it was good, right? And then he made us and he said, it's very good. And then he said to Adam, here, it's yours. Now you work on it. You grow this, you develop it, you nurture it. You build society, work. And he gave it to, to Adam to, to, and, and Eve to work on. And so, you know, that is the proper view. And, and one thing I think to, to say about that as it relates to like, why isn't my business bigger and comparing myself to others? You know, some birds are just small and some birds are big. And a, a, a small bird isn't a bad bird for being small. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this sounds like the conversation we had earlier. The one when we measured my height versus you guys. We will not disclose how tall Mike Boys is. <laughs> But it's the same in our business. We sort of have we sort of have this, I think, an impression that the only good business is the bigger, the dominant, yeah. right? And you can actually be, if you're a steward of something small, you can actually be really successful in stewarding it to the size that it is and that it needs to be. We have and, a parable about that, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, I, I think that one of the one of the pitfalls that business owners can get into around marketing is not being careful about both the idea of stewardship and the idea of who are you, who are you? And thinking like, if I'm, if I'm fundamentally identifying myself as someone who is in Christ or a Christ follower, then shouldn't I want to get this thing that he's entrusted me with in front of as many people as possible, whether it grows or not, I want people to know about it. Yeah. And I think you can grow it just by saying what's true and good and beautiful about the business, right? If it's something that's that's really on earth for a reason, then it's it's solving people's problems. It's it's really helping tangible things that are broken and need to be restored or or you know, fixed or enhanced. Um and and you can do it in a beautiful way. It doesn't it doesn't it doesn't have to be lying. It doesn't have to be over the top. It can just be true. It can just be good. It can just yeah. be, you know, clear. And I think yeah. when, when, when the focus of the marketing is instead of trying to um, oversell it, but is instead trying to clarify it, right? Put the energy into being more clear, more concise, more um, making the, the message have more impact, right? Uh, you're doing people a favor. Like it's really good marketing for some people to say no to your product because you were so clear they realized, oh, I just don't need that. Yeah. yeah. Why waste your time? You just did them a favor, yeah. right? right? Skip yeah. the sales pitch. Yeah. You know, I remember when I was, uh, I, I, I had a, a brief interlude in my career of, of doing leadership development and I was actually doing market research and I was in a marketing department. And one of the things we talked about a lot was, you know, it's identifying people's wants and needs. Um, and I found that to be a very unproductive way to look at things because I, people don't often think about their wants and needs. What they think about is the problems they have. 
Ask a person what their problems are, what's bugging them, what's sitting on their desk, what they can't figure out or solve, and they'll tell you that. Right? And that gets to this issue of what problems do our products and services solve? And getting really clear about that. What are we solving for people? That has value and being clear about that. Yeah, and I think that there's a tendency uh, that I've said, I've heard clients say where they, they want to kind of be really broad. They, you know, we solve this for, I say, well, what's your market niche? Well, we serve everyone. Well, what age group? Well, any age. Well, what, you know, what geographic region? Well, anyone. Like they're just, they don't want to lock it down. Yeah. They don't want to put limits on it. They yeah. think that by limiting themselves to a particular market segment or a particular kind of problem, that they're going to say no to a bunch of potential opportunities. But the opposite is actually true, that mm -hmm. by, by watering down their message and trying to be all things to all people, they really resonate with none. Right. And then you're not quite sure when to use them or why to use them mm -hmm. or you know, how. Specificity it, is really important. Yeah. It's a great example. Is I, got, I got something in the mail this week. And I really hope it's not a client of yours, Kent. But it was, a, <laughs> it was from a construction company. Uh, and they were advertising how they can build amazing additions on houses, which is great. I think building additions is a noble calling. You, so there are people who should do that. The problem was they had mailed it to me and I live in a townhome community where you're not allowed to build additions. So they hadn't thought through, who are we going to mail this flyer to? Who, who is our target audience? So they need the help of someone like you to help them figure out not only what is our message, which is we build fantastic additions that will serve your family, they also need to figure out who builds additions. Right. Um, and yeah. they hadn't quite thought that one through. Yeah. And I think that, that gets, to, I guess, a number of things. But one of those is um, sometimes when we engage in marketing and it doesn't work, all this effort, we go, well, I don't know how to do this. It's not working. But if we engage the wrong audience, to put, to put effort into the wrong audience, then we're going to be frustrated. And that, that, that's not a Christian thing. That's an everybody thing. But there's wisdom in knowing who you are and what problems you solve and who right. they solve them for. Right. Um, Mike, one of, the, one of the things I know that you do in your work is you help people get clear on their mission. Can you yes. speak to like the process? Yeah. Can you give us like a sneak peek sure. of the process that you've gone through with, the clients have gone through with you, where you where they go from lack of clarity on their mission right. to clarity? What's that process well, like? Well, I, th I think this is common to the work all, work all three of us do really is, is that it, it you know, it marketing, running a business, leading, being a business owner, starts with knowing what your purpose is, wh why you exist, right? Getting real clear on what it is that you do and what's unique about it. Yeah, right? so how do you get there? If you decide you so, want yeah, that, how do, yeah. what's the process? So, so, so um, I ask folks what they do, and then I'll ask them, what's the purpose of this? And what I'll frequently get is, well, they'll tell me what they do. They and, say and, what, you're asking why? Yeah, I'm asking why, but people don't always know the why. They assume the why. They don't think about it. And so I, I add the words, so that what? So that what? And at some point, we get to, oh, that's why we do this. The way you're doing it is it happens to be a methodology. But whatever you're doing, you're trying to do this. And that frees them up for a lot of things, but that's why they're there. And then we can say, okay, well, that's why you do it. That's your purpose. Well, tell me about you know you, what you what's important to you, how you value things, and uh, and and how you go about things, and that can become their strategies and their brand. Well, who, what's your unique expression of this? I think becomes the brand, and that's something that 
um, not only do internal employees deal with, which is kind of my realm, right? What's our brand? We all need to be expressions of this brand, but how do we represent that to people outside the organization, which is your turf? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that the more clear they are before they come to the marketing task, the easier the marketing task is because, yeah. you know, you're basically expressing something that you know instead of something that you don't. Um, I recently had a new client uh, come to me saying that, that they wanted a new website. And I asked them to describe the industry. What's going on in your industry? And that was really helpful for getting clarity on their, on their why and on their, their core message. And they said, what's happening in the industry is consolidation. We're getting fewer and fewer, larger and larger companies in this space. And I said, what is your response to that trend? And they said, we are refusing to participate. <laughs> and I said, well, why then are you refusing to participate and what impact is that having? They said, we're refusing to participate because we see that it decreases the quality of the service. And we're unwilling to decrease the quality of the service for the sake of getting bigger. Because you get to a certain size where it becomes more and more and more difficult to actually pay attention to the things that matter, okay? And it sounds good, but it doesn't work in our right. experience. It, it, can't, it can't work. It's a broken model. So we want to say, so, so it became very clear. Like it was just like a less than 10 minutes it took to get clarity on that mm -hmm. because they had already seen what the industry is doing. They saw how they compared to the industry. They had taken a stance on their why. We are going to be small. We're mm -hmm. going to offer this quality of service. We're going to say no to a bunch of things right. in the meantime, which is totally fine with us. Right. And if you want a bigger, less attentive solution, there are plenty of an increasing number of them out there, right? And we're okay with that because there's enough of the people that value the quality of the service that we can serve them and we'll be, we'll be fine. And that, that shaped everything. That shaped, well, how many pages does the website have? That shaped, how should we express that message? Should it be text, visual, video, podcast? What is it, right? It affected a budget. You know, how are we, how are we going to take the amount of resources that we have and channel them into something that we think is going to resonate? So a lot of clarity on the marketing side, all from that point that you made is you need to know your purpose and that purpose will help shape really everything. Yeah. You know, and there's something else, Mike, that you've talked about in the past, that I think is really helpful, which is taking it one notch further, which is to define your kingdom purpose. Yeah. Um, how would you define kingdom purpose and why do you think that's important to yeah. articulate that? Well, I think as we said that um, we've been given our businesses uh, uh, by God and God has a pur has a, has purposes as you've talked about Ken purposes for our lives and the work that we do. And uh, I believe that our businesses um, are platforms for ministry, all kinds of ministry. And so while we might be, um, say, uh, selling cars, um, we might have a kingdom purpose of discipling the people who come into our, 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 our showroom. We might have a kingdom purpose of, of providing the community with you know, low-cost transportation so they can be employed. Right, so so it, it's clarity on the why, the why of your why, really, and, and, and so that it clarifies for the leader 
and the people in the organization why they're doing the work and why they're providing that service so that they can fulfill the 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 the, um, the kingdom side of it. Well, and, and doesn't stewardship raise an important question? I mean, if if this is really God's, the question is, what is God getting out of it? Yeah. Like what what did he what did he have in mind right. if he allowed this to take place? I have a new employee that just uh, started with me this summer, and uh, she did a task for me. I asked her to do a task. She did it. She came back, and uh, I asked her to review some things and give me a, a way she thought it could be improved. And she gave me her report at the end, and it said, uh, "I learned this." And I learned this and I learned she just listed a bunch of facts about it that she learned. And I said to her at the end, I said, wow, that was really impressive. You learned a lot. I said, so, so I knew those things about it. Um, what did I get out of this? And there was this long pause. <laughs> and I said, you know why I hired you? I didn't hire you so you could learn something. I hired you so I could learn something. So you're here because I want some benefit right. out of this relationship. Right. And that's what a business owner really wants. Mm -hmm. And then I think that's what a kingdom owner wants, mm -hmm. isn't it? I mean, mm -hmm. doesn't he, isn't, shouldn't there be something for the king in all mm -hmm. of this? The question is, what does he get out of this? What are we yeah. doing that's accomplishing the purpose that he had in mind right. when he said, hey, would you like to steward this? I, I, I need something. Can you do a job for me, right? Yeah. And I feel like a lot of times we're like that young employee that I had that said, hey, yeah. you know what I like about this job is I get this and I get that and this is mm -hmm. what's in it for me and I want to be personally fulfilled and maybe I'll be self-actualized. Right. And how is this, how is this <laughs> job working for me? Do I look good yeah. in this suit? Yeah. Well, yeah. And I, so, 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 so understanding the kingdom purpose kind of goes, is highly connected. What you, what you said is, you know, um, what is true right? What is beautiful? What's the third? Good. What is good, right? And so those are really kingdom words, right? Those are kingdom words. What is true? What is beautiful? And what is good? And so if we are in touch, if we know what about our products and services are good, true, and, and beautiful, then we're, we're pretty close to the kingdom purpose because those are, those are things that that God made and that he enjoys. He enjoys beauty. He created it. So when an engineer makes a car, or designs a car, and I believe that God goes, that's pretty sweet, dude. Good use of the, you know, the physics and mathematics that I, that I laid down for you, right? That was awesome how you used those things. And you're using this, right, to bring prosperity to a family, to bring prosperity to a community. You know, so, so why are we doing these things? Why do we create cars? Why do we create transportation? transportation to do, so people can do the things that God has them there for, to help us build the kingdom. And that's God honoring. And I think when you articulate your kingdom purpose for your business, you're going to want to market. I think that's what it boils down to is if you, if you understand, or, or at least work to understand, what's the kingdom purpose of my business? What, and also, what's the mission of my business? Right? I think the natural outcome of that process is to say, I gotta get the word out. Because we are killing it around here, and we need more people to serve, or we need more people to use our product, or right. whatever the thing is. So it becomes, it becomes, hey, not come buy my TV, because I wanna make more money. 
but hey, we created an awesome TV that's low priced that everybody is going to enjoy. Or it's higher priced and it has or, more features that or, you could appreciate and right, value. Or it does these right. things that you want to do. Right. And and so, go ahead. I mean, the, the interesting thing about the money is if you're doing it right, you should be making money as right. well. It's your reward. Yeah. You should, people will recognize your product or the service you're offering and say, that's valuable. It's adding value to me. Of course I want to pay money. And of course the outcome should be profits for the business. So the outcome of your marketing spend or your marketing strategy should be more profits. That should be one of your goals, I think. That's a, that's a reasonable baseline assumption. The question just needs to be, you know, how can I tell the story of, of my product? Um, anyway, I don't, I don't want to take over though, Ken. I think you had some questions. You're looking at me like, you, like yeah. Well, yeah, I think, that's, I think that's why we started a marketing company yeah. is because we believe that it's an important thing. And we also know that not everyone's good at it, just like I'm not good at most other things. So what, what I appreciate about what you're saying is that if it's done well, it really makes everything else work. So think about how you want to do research and development to do the next thing. You've kind of got an itch for some creative project that you think would resonate with the market. Oh, but you can't do it. Why? Well, because you don't have enough of those profits and you have enough, don't have enough of those sales. Well, why don't you have more sales and profits? Well, it goes back to, well, you're not really marketing it very effectively, right? So it, it, you know, I, I was talking to someone recently about the people in the coaching industry and the people in the coaching industry are notorious for being really skilled at like soft skills, like things like listening and asking good questions and empathy and understanding how people work and helping them be better. Well, not on the list of skills is marketing and sales, right? <laughs> and so this guy was saying, every coach I know wants more business and needs more business. And it's a marketing problem, basically. And if only they could push some magic button and have the business flow in, right? Then they would be thriving, but they're not because it's such a different skill. So I think part of it for a business owner is to say, look, who's in charge of this skill? This is an important yeah. thing. Right. We either need to take it on or we need to outsource it or we need to partner and you know collaborate. But it, it's necessary, it has to be done. It's gotta be part of the plan, I think is, is the bottom line. And that leads back to um, what Aaron was sharing with us about who built your business, right? So uh, that was you know a story about who, who built it. God gives this to you. He gives you the, the resources. He gives you the direction. He gives you the customers. But there's also another side to that too, which is nobody builds anything great by themselves. Right. Right? Because we all have limited, we have limited time, Capacity. but we also have limited skills, right? Yeah. And so uh, part of a wise leader's job is to figure out who's going to help me with this, who has different skills and different perspective than I do. And, th and then saying, we built this, not just me. And that's And that's the truth. Yeah. That, that's not, you know, uh, some oh, yeah. humility, you know. No, and, and, and all of us recognize that at, at our company because we say, we, we, don't, uh, we don't make things for you, we make things with you. Right. And we really can't do it. You, you know, I, I can't know what you know. I can't get inside your head. I can't, un, I can't tell you what your purpose should be. Right. <laughs> like none of those things is true, right? So 
it's not just that I'm not smart enough and capable enough to build my company. I'm not even smart enough and capable enough to do the work inside the company because the work inside the company requires collaboration and team. Right. So it's a really humbling place to be to actually work, right? You just you, you realize and and that's so great because it prevents it it guards against these two extremes right. that, that that if you're great right. it's because of you and if you're if it fails it's it's all your fault. Right. Right. There's there's this middle ground where you can steward something and now you're not so much concerned about how much it reflects on you. Now you're thinking about, am I faithful? Am I being obedient? Am I taking good care of opportunities? Am I am I responsible? Right. It's a it's a completely different way to put your head on the pillow at night. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you're asking a different sort of question. Yeah. Yeah. So I was thinking that I might have found one of the theme verses in the New Testament for why Christian business owners should market. Can I share this verse with you I think guys? I know where you're going. Do you? Oh, I'm curious if we're thinking of the same verse because it doesn't actually uh, say anything about marketing. Are we in Matthew? No, we're not, actually. Oh, okay. But they're, they're, that's the second theme verse, the one I think you're right, thinking about. All right, all right. <laughs> there can be two, maybe. There can be, <laughs> there can be more than one marketing <laughs> version of the Bible. All right. All right. So this, this passage is from uh, chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. It's verse 58. And Paul is writing, and he says, Therefore... My beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. So why did, why would I think that's like a theme verse for marketing? Well, Paul is saying, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And I think if you're a Christian who owns a business, who's articulated the kingdom purpose of your business, what you are doing is the work of the Lord. And what Paul is saying here is always abound in it. In other words, get busy with it. Fill your time with this. And marketing helps you do that. Marketing helps you to always abound in the work of the Lord. And so this verse really struck me as, this is an encouragement that a Christian business owner can say, how can I apply this This command from Paul. And there's a lot of ways you can apply this command, but one way is to say marketing is a tool that I can use to abound in the work of the Lord. What do you guys think about that? I think um I think it's good. I think it's good. I think that what what that brings up for me is just my idea that I think all work serves a community. Hmm. Right? Um that God uh gives us work and that work serves other people. And so in order to serve them with our work, they need to know about our work. And so that means, uh, abounding it means getting the word out, like you said. And, and so I can do more of this work to benefit the community because my work is not for me, it is for others. Yeah, for me, it raises the, the age old question about what's God's work and is there sacred work and secular work or is it all God's work? And I think, you know, I grew up in a generation where we, we really had a separation, you know, in, in, in my mind, in my culture where, you know, there's God's work, which is like evangelism, discipleship, pre preaching, teaching. And then there's secular work, which is like taking out the trash, mowing the lawn, everything that most people do most of the time. <laughs> right? Yeah. Accounting, law, fill in the blank. Yeah. And, and the only purpose of that is to fund the church. Right. <laughs> that's what, that's the redeeming purpose. Is. Right. Yeah. That's, yeah. The, that's the old, that's, yeah. Right. Okay. But the, the, the pinnacle of that list is like a missionary in Africa feeding the poor and, you know, starting a church, right? Mother, Mother Teresa. Or Mother Teresa, right. So, um, but 
But it's interesting because the, the rest of the verse that you just quoted there, 58, it says, um, always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless yes. or in vain. Yes. Right? So I think there's a hint there that it doesn't say, you know, for, for some work that you do is redeemed by God and useful to him and other kinds of work is not, right? Um, <laughs> you know, Jesus became a carpenter. Isn't that kind of like smack in the face of, of right. that kind of thinking? Right. Like, why would you spend so much time doing that? That just seems ridiculous. Um, so I guess, I, I, I guess I'm agreeing with you and I'm thinking about how the right perspective is that um, God has all kinds of work that he wants to be done and he's got all kinds of people to do it. And it brings back the purpose. Why are you doing that? If it's for him, it's not useless. It's benefiting the world. It's benefiting the created order. He wants it done. You know, one of the things that I, I often think about is I, you know, I relate adult world to kid world um, because kids, you know, when they're young, they're uninhibited and they're natural and they're, un, you know, they, they just do what comes naturally. Um, when kids make work, they do work, what do they do? They show it to me. <laughs> they bring it to you and they show it to you and they say, hey, isn't this great? <laughs> Look what I made Look today. Look what I made. And then they'll bring you five more. Yeah. I remember my daughter, Gabby, when she was probably four or five years old, probably four years old, I think she was, we had some guests over and um, she had learned that we offer guests refreshments. And so uh, she asked us if we wanted refreshments and we said yes. And so she went into the kitchen, she was gone for a while and she was making grape juice for us. <laughs> and she squeezed um, grapes into cups oh. and then she brought them upstairs because she couldn't reach the sink. She went to the sink upstairs in the bathroom. Oh my gosh. And uh, she got some Triscuits out for us and she, and she served them to us and we had grape juice and Triscuits. And she was very proud <laughs> that she served us and she would, wanted to do more, you know? And this is work. Like, we show it, we offer it. Uh, and I think it's a good perspective. We are accountable to God for our work. Um, and I think business owners have a hard time with accountability because who were they accountable to but themselves? And the idea that I'm accountable to God for making this a prosperous business that brings benefit to many is really a super point that you brought up, Aaron. Uh, you gotta, you gotta close the loop for us on the Matthew passage. What, what, what passage? Well, are you I, thinking I, w of? I, w I was thinking about, you know, Jesus made us, you know, he to told us all to be evangelists. You know, go therefore into all the nations, teaching them all, uh, all that I have commanded you. So, so, um, he sends us forth with his message. If, if this is the ultimate message, this ultimate service is to bring salvation, the message, the gospel. To people all over the world and we're, we're also told that you know how can people hear the message right if no one speaks it how can i hear it unless no one teaches them yeah and so there is a model for marketing we have something of great value isn't it interesting that marketing has taken a christian term conversion and used it uh, as a marketing term mm, you know here mm. jesus is telling his disciples before he ascends to heaven, go and make more. Go and tell more people and convert them to follow me. And obviously the Spirit's at work in that process, but it's interesting to me that marketing has latched onto that term that the church uses 
as a as a way of reflecting how they've created value. Right. Sure. What's your conversion rate? What's your conversion rate? Yeah. Um, not that we should be looking at the conversion rate in the church, but I'm just saying it's interesting <laughs> that there's a crossover in the terminology. Right. There. In sales. Yeah. yeah, that's good. And that's what we're doing. So so what does that mean, though? So the close that, right? So it can, you, to convert somebody brings them to seeing things the way you do. So we're bringing customers to see the value of our products like we see the value of our products. Yeah, and that, that's a really a process. First, they don't know. Then they know, but don't. they're not convinced. Then they're convinced. And once they convince, they take action. And then once they have experience, some of them even become evangelists. Right. To use another Christian term, right? They become, they become people that start to tell other people and so on. And we get these word of mouth referrals by someone who I don't even know calling me up and saying, hey, I heard that, you know, this, this was the call to make. The cheapest <laughs> form of marketing right there. Right? Yeah. Con convinced consumers. Yeah. Convinced clients. Well, thanks, Aaron, for joining us for this uh, WorkWise podcast episode. It feels like a lot of good, uh, good soil has been tilled up. Yeah. Tilled up. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks for having me on. Yeah.